Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast Season 2, Episode 30. Uh, my name is Luke Hatfield, as always I am joined by someone who has played as much football as Zhang Yuning has for West Brom, Matt Wilson. That's very true, I have. Uh, we're also joined uh, by a new voice, someone that you probably won't recognise, um, Mr Richard Fletcher, he's our new digital football intern at the Express and Star, he was at the Albion with me and Matt Richard Podcast debut. Debut appearance, looking forward to it. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, commenting on the game. Yeah, should be good, should be good. Um, first things first, guys. So close so far for uh, Albion, of course, in the Carabao Cup. Made it all the way to the third round, but did you watch the final? I did, yeah. I tell you what, what do you make of Keppergate? Well, I think, and I don't want to go on too much about this, but I think the reaction's been massively overblown. You reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, look, should he have gone off? Yes. Particularly when Sarri starts storming down the tunnel, which was <laughs> hilarious. And I love the guy that opened the door for him. And then he thought better of it and walked back out. <laughs> and made me laugh a lot. But should he, have, should he have gone off? Yes. When his numbers held up, of course he should. And when um, Sarri, he sees Sarri getting angry, of course he has to go off. But people have almost forgotten the instance leading up to it. was the fact that he, was, he went down with cramp. So they, he thinks the injury... Sammy's never confirmed whether it's a tactical sub or, uh, or an injury sub, but he thinks the substitute is an injury one. And he's basically saying, no, 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 I'm fine to continue. I don't think it happens if it's a different position on the pitch. I think it only happens if you're a goalie. I don't think it happens um, if it's a tactical sub rather than an injury one. I think if he saw his name up and he hadn't been down, or he saw his number up, he would have gone, oh, that's weird. Okay, I'll trot off. Um, I also think him and Sammy should have spoken to each other and cleared it up either then or afterwards it was about he shouldn't have done it obviously but I think the fact I mean he's Chris Sutton has said on BBC he should never play for Chelsea again in national newspapers he's been described as deplorable and ugly I mean it's not it was a it was an unfortunate incident that snowballed into something that the player overstepped the line but I think people have gone in so hard that I I really They've, they've almost forgotten why it happened. I'm not sure I buy the cramp. How often do you see a goalkeeper go down with cramp? Exactly. But apparently, this is something that Chelsea do quite a lot. They, with their, if it's a tight game, they feign injury late on. Maybe Keith Kepper was just feigning injury, and then he was going, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Now, I don't think Sarri helped himself with his reaction because he storms off. That makes yeah. it that makes it look even worse. What he should have done, um, he basically. Tried to try to exert his power over the player, and the player it didn't work. Yeah, now, it looks bad for him, um, and Kepa should have gone off. But I can understand how the how it snowballed into that situation in the sort. You know, you're in the 120th minute of, an FA, of a League Cup final. Um, I just think that I don't. People have have now put it into a black and white situation where he is. Oh, he's refused to come off. He's defied his manager. That's not actually exactly what happened. It's a weird one. It is a weird one. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. If it was now, if say, say it was an Albion. I'm not. I'm not saying this anything like. It, but if it was Albion and you're a fan, how would you react to it? Would you? Would you want? Would you see it the same way you do now? Or Rich? Would you? Would you? I think it depends on who the goalkeeper was on the bench. I think in the case of yesterday. Uh, Willie Caballero has actually got a good history of saving penalties. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when you bring a goalkeeper on purely just for the penalty shootout, it can give your team a psychological edge. I think it happened in the um, 
2014 World Cup when Holland were in a penalty shootout against yeah, yeah, Costa yeah. Rica, and I think Sillison, Sillison was the goalkeeper in that case, and they brought him on off purposefully, Louis van Gaal, for Tim Krull. Tim Krull came on, saved the penalties, and the decision worked. So if you even put the kind of injury to one side, even if Sarri had kind of followed through with that substitution, it would have been interesting to see how the shootout would have panned out. Because actually, Kepa, despite the fact he saved one of the penalties, he should have saved Aguero's penalty. Yeah, he threw um, that one in, didn't he? Yeah, so he yeah. hasn't He hasn't really, um, you know, he hasn't done his image much good over the whole situation. But I do agree with Matt, it has been um, blown out of proportion. Sky really, you know, covered it too much, in a sense. But when you wink at a camera as well. Well, that's the thing yeah. for me. The wink at the camera was the thing that I thought, oh, what on earth is he playing at? What is he doing, actually? Because... That wink at the camera was weird. I, I, that made me think, actually, no, he's done. He, he is being arrogant and he is doing it. But the, reading some of the columns today in today's papers, you'd be like, you'd think he was waded into the crowd and started punching people. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's it was some it was he overstepped the line. He shouldn't have done it, and he should have come out and apologised for it. But I think the way that it's been, I don't think it. I don't think it gets this much um, sort of vitriol if it's not Chelsea and if it's not you know a club notorious for player power. But this is a 24-year-old kid, really, keeper, yeah. who, I don't, he's, you know, it's not like um, David Luiz saying he can't come off. I mean, it, it, I, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, not yeah, a senior yeah. player doing it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the, the, the blatant act of rebellion that people think are portraying it as. Well, yeah, either way, it's made for interest in watching. Oh, it was Good, great. Fantastic one. Good weekend of always. Uh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, obviously, not a great result on Saturday. Um, you know, that coupled with the the rugby. Um, oh, it was a bad weekend. It was a bad it? weekend. Yeah, you know, the two the two teams. <laughs> and I didn't want to lose, lost. So, because um, my uh, the in laws are Welsh, and it's just uh, oh, that must be that must have made it torturous. So after the game, I had to go and pick the kids up from um, father in law who was sitting there with his Welsh shirt on. Of course, he know. was. Just uh, looking what, smug. What you know? I, I, had, I had a double page spread to, to to fill in on Mondays for Monday's paper. It was very late on Saturday night, and I had a lot of work to do. And he just wanted to take me through a blow by blow account of the game that I'd oh, missed. No. <laughs> oh yeah, grim. Anyway, let's talk about the game, shall we? Because we've, we've talked about Chelsea before. We talked about West Brom in this podcast. Um, <laughs> more home disappointment. What is wrong with Albion at home? I think there's a couple of things. Um, I think. The formation obviously doesn't work at home. It works no. away from home because you can soak up the pressure um, and hit teams on the break. And they are organised away from home and they've got that back seven that doesn't look like it's going to be breached with ease. But at home, they need, they're quite often faced with teams that sit back and teams come to the Hawthorns now and they're willing to, to sit back and, and, and almost play the plucky underdog and hit Albion on the break. And Albion lack a number 10... Um, with the the right craft or the right guile to unpick that lock, and they look quite flat. You know, you've got a midfield three there of Harper, Barry, and Livermore, and you know, as useful as Livermore can be away from home, and as, as battling as he can be in that midfield engine room, he doesn't have the ability to slide the ball in behind. Yeah, I don't think. Har- I mean, Harper obviously is a very talented youngster, but I've not seen him do that either. You know, play that little final ball in to Gallo Rodriguez. Um, and Barry's got the ability to do it, but he's too far back, and he 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 operates in the centre circle. Um, so I think it's just a bit flat. I think um, 
So I think that's one point. I think there needs to be a formation change at home. But I also think you can't ignore the fact that they look knackered. And, yeah. they, and Sheffield United had three extra days to prepare for this game. Now, you know, over the course of the season, this sort of thing evens itself out. You know, They've got Leeds on, on Friday and Leeds are playing tomorrow. So yeah. that puts a bit of pressure on that game because Alvin will be expected to be the dominant team in that game, I would, I would argue. Um, but, the, 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 but the thing is that Sheffield United, they looked so much better because they had... They because they were fitter, or they, they you know they weren't as knackered, but also because I felt like they they had a bit of inventiveness and, and a bit of conviction about the system they were playing. Whereas I think at home Albion don't have that. Yeah, and it, of all the games, I mean, you you want maximum preparation for any game you're going into, but one of the the teams you certainly wouldn't pick to go against, you know, with less preparation would be Sheffield United because the way they move and there's a lot of good movement. And they're they're probably the most impressive team I've seen this season. So you, you really you'd want you'd want someone like an Ipswich or a Reading, but the least team you'd probably want is Sheffield United. Well, before the game, I I was concerned about the four three three, which I think is quite narrow anyway, especially when you leave three men up um, against Sheffield United, who overload the wide areas. Yeah, that's the way they play. It's a three five two, and even their centre backs bum on beyond the wing backs, which is how they got the goal, and that's that's how the goal came about. Yeah, you know, um, Martin Craney, who <laughs> was playing for Albion in pre season. Rock bombs down the right wing on a counter attack and digs out across, and then um, Kieran Dow runs off the back of Gareth Barry, which Sheffield United did all game. I mean, I do think that that midfield three of Barry, Livermore, and Harper um, has got a lot of positives to it, and in some ways it's quite balanced, but in other ways it's not because you've got Barry and Livermore quite similar. Yeah, and Barry and, ha- and Barry, although he's positionally very good, you, you, I think Sheffield United proved you can get runners off the back of him. Yeah, um, yeah. If you if you want to, if you're energetic and dynamic enough, and I did that. And Harper for me, he's a very talented young lad, but he, off the ball, his off the ball work and his closing down and, and his tracking isn't very good. So um, I just think that's where Albion lost the battle on on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and you know it doesn't make for good reading since Boxing Day in the league. They've obviously lost to Sheffield United, drew with Forest, lost to Borough, drew with Norwich, drew with Wednesday. I mean, Rich, you spoke to the fans mm. after the game. What? What was the sort of vibe? I think, um, well, the major question for me is, you know, it's the first time I've seen West Brom all season. I wanted to know from them why the home and the away form was so different. And obviously Matt's covered it quite a lot there. Um, their reaction is, is similar. Maybe it's a change in formation. Um, are they at home, you know, West Brom are a big club. They're top of the league. Teams are going to come to the Hawthorns and, and sit deep. And, you know, I think... They're thinking, well, how how do we how do West Brom set up a formation which is going to, you know, get through them? Yeah. Uh, the other question was whether it was the crowd at the Hawthorns. Are, are they too? Um, is there too much pressure on the players? Are they getting on the players' backs too early? Is that is that pressure leading them to you know perform at a lower level than what they do away from home? Um, but there's just that you know overriding frustration on how it can be so different home and away. I think that 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 point about the crowd. Probably was apt, maybe for the Nottingham Forest game, mm. and maybe even before that. But I actually thought on Saturday the crowd did their bit. I mean, they, yeah. the atmosphere was, yeah, was electric. Yeah, yeah. At um, I mean, it was noisy before kickoff. At kickoff, and for the first mm. thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, I thought it, I thought it was absolutely bouncing. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think the players through whatever, through fatigue or formation, lived up to to that. And I don't think you can really. I, I agree with the sentiment that those fans said because it's something that I've written in the past that actually 
having the pressure of a home crowd on you is sometimes more... I mean, sometimes it can be brilliant because it, it, it takes you over the line, but sometimes it can be a bit debilitating. And when away from home, you don't have that pressure. You can, you can soak up. And no one's going to start moaning. And, you know, if you mm. if Sam Johnston kicks the ball at a play away from home, no, but there's no one moans. Mm. In fact, the whole crowd cheers. Yeah. So it's like there's no, you know, there's no there's not that added pressure. Whereas at home, that there is that. But I actually thought on Saturday, the the crowd did their bit. They, I mean, yeah. they were brilliant. Yeah, they they were. Mm. For me, I mean, you see all you see Gale on the wing, and I know it works away from home, but a lot of fans are getting a little bit frustrated with that. I think because. He's your best poacher, the best one of the best goal scorers in the league, and you've got him out wide, and it's not. It's, I don't think it's where Gale would want to be played, and I don't think it's where the fans want to see him. Although I know it's worked away from home, but you've got to think there's got to be a way to get him central. Yeah, I agree, um, and there is there is a big issue there because there was one point uh, in the second half where I think he had the ball down the wing and he crossed. And you to the near post, and there was no one there, yeah. or the, the run wasn't just right, quite there. And he picked out the wrong ball. He's holding his hands up, like because he's saying that's exactly the run I would have made across the. I mean, we've seen him do it countless times this season. Yeah. Across the across the man towards the near post, nod it in or nick it in. He should be on the end of those crosses. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. He shouldn't be making them. So I think that we have to find a way of getting him inside, alongside Rodriguez. But but my question is, how do they do that? Because yeah. You could, I suppose, replicate what Sheffield United did and play a three-five-two. Um, that would give you Rodriguez and Gale up front together. Because I don't think you can drop either of them. I think they are. I think you do need to play them both. Yeah. I think I'd like to see them as a front two together, in the, in the same way that we did when it was a three-four-one-two with Barnes behind them. Now, okay, you haven't got Barnes anymore picking those passes, but some of the movement in and out yeah. that Rodriguez and Gale had at that time was brilliant. So I'd like to see them back in into that front two, but. If you play a three-five-two, you then you go back to a back three. Is that really necessarily what you want? Okay, you've got different personnel now. You've got Mason Holgate would be a really good right wing back, I think. Yeah. I think a back three of Higazi, Dawson, and Adrebayo, who I thought actually did quite well off the bench on Saturday, would be not a bad back three. But that back, but that defence seems so obviously more comfortable with a back four than a back three that you might be minded not to do that. So then you're talking about a four-four-two. I don't think Albion have the central midfielders you couldn't play for, in for that system. Can you play 38-year-old Gareth Barry in two? Maybe if you had a really dynamic player next to him. But I don't. I wouldn't trust Raheem Harper next to him. I think he's a great young player. But Barry and Harper in a two, I don't see that. I don't think there's enough work off the ball. Maybe Barry and Livermore in a two. But is there enough craft and guile and is there enough creativity in that? I don't. Maybe not. I don't think mm. so because Barry will naturally sit deeper. And getting Livermore to do all that... It's a tough job and you come up against teams that put three in midfield and you're going to get overrun, with, yeah. with, I'm afraid, with those two because they're just not fast enough. So I don't think they have the players necessarily to play a two-man midfield, um, even though on paper 4-4-2 with Phillips and Murphy wide and Galen Rodriguez up front would be electric, but I'm concerned about that midfield. So I, I, I honestly don't know what the answer is and this is something that Darren Moore and Graham Jones and his coaching staff have to figure out before the next home game because I think they probably will play 4-3-3 away from home against Leeds I think that's probably the right setup. although Leeds too like to overload the wider areas so yeah. they might need to be a bit more um, what's the word a, a bit more careful and a bit more diligent in their defensive works than they, than they were on uh, on Saturday Yeah maybe you try like a 4-3-1-2 I mean we, with formations you almost end up like over analysing but 4-3-1-2 at least you've got three 
But that's the same as what, But then you've got no width. But a 4 3 one, 2 is what they're playing now, essentially, because what J-Rod does is the false nine as he drops in, and it's essentially a 4-3-3 three, three, or a 4-4-2 four, four, diamond, so, or a 4-3-1-2. Yeah. That's essentially what they're playing now. It, do, it doesn't change the, the problem, and the problem is you've got Gale on the wing too much, and you... And you've got a too narrow, too narrow midfield. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a four-two-three-one would be the way I would go, and put Gale up top and Rodriguez as number ten, Murphy and um, uh, I mean that's essentially a four-four-two, but just yeah. with, with 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 Rodriguez as number ten. So that would be maybe how I would do it. Yeah, plenty of questions for answer for to, for for Darren Moore to answer uh, there and to try and figure out because at the moment the home form is just not. Really cutting it. Um, you do also have to remember the opposition, though. I mean, they've, the last four games have been, um, you touched on it earlier, they've been Middlesbrough, Norwich, um, Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United. Now, three of those are in the top five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one, Nottingham Forest, should be higher than they are. And they've, they've, been a, they've become a lot more difficult to beat under Martin O'Neill. So, when you look at the six games they've got left at the Hawthorns, I think two of them are in the bottom three and the other four are mid-table teams. So there yeah. is, you do have to just have a, there is actually just a quality control thing here that actually, if you come up against good sides, it's going to be difficult to beat them. Yeah, I mean, in Sheffield United, as I said before, they're probably one of the most impressive teams in the league for me. Considering the players and the money they've spent to be where they are, the way Chris Wilder's got on playing is, is phenomenal. He's got to be up there for manager of the month, hasn't he? I'm sorry, not manager of the month, manager of the season. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. if they go close, or if they go up, he, he, he has to be, I think. But if they go close... He, he he might even be with a shot then because, like you say, I mean, you look at you look at you looked at those two teams on paper, and on paper there's only one victor, but everybody knew that it was going to be a tough game because Sheffield United are so well oiled, so well drilled, um, and when you say well drilled, you normally mean defensive teams, but they were great defensively and off the ball. They're also great on the ball, I think. So yeah. really good team, and if they go up, then fair play to them because they've got a Sheffield United fan as manager, a Sheffield United fan as captain and top scorer. It's actually a bit of a fairy tale. Yeah, certainly. Um, right, let's touch on some Albion news that you may have missed. Uh, first one being uh, the man I mentioned right at the start of this podcast, Zhang Yuning, uh, sold to Sinobo Guan uh, in the Chinese Super League. Strange old move, that one. I don't think I've seen anything like it. No, it's a bizarre transfer and a bit of a vanity project from Groucho and Lai, which has come to an end. Um he, it's the only transfer he's funded since he's taken over the club in 2016. He spent £6 million on him. And even though at the time, Al, you know, Albion, people at Albion were telling him, this guy's never going to be good enough and he can't even get a work permit for England. Um, absolutely bizarre transfer that uh, I'm afraid probably just highlights how little perhaps the owner knows about football. Um, you know, he... he he went to Werder Bremen for a two-year loan spell. That was cut short to a year. He then went to um, Ado Den Haag for a year um, loan spell. That was cut short, so Albion could sell him back to Beijing. We're not sure how much he, he's been sold back for, whether whether Lai has recuperated his money or made a loss, but um, no, it's uh, it's not. it doesn't sit well, Albion being used as a vehicle for such a vanity project, to yeah. be honest. Um, but I suppose if if you pay two hundred million pounds for something, then and you want to do you want to use it like that, then maybe you maybe you have a right to. But I don't think it sits well with me personally. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, Rich, I don't know if you've got any comment on that kind of thing because it's 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 a weird one. He's come in. He's I mean, I I highly doubt he's re- even really rocked up 
to the training ground and train with any of the players? No, well, we've seen similar things at Wolves. They've been, although they haven't signed a Chinese player, they've been linked with Chinese players in the past, although it's never quite come off there. Um, but, you know, touching on what Matt said, if the owners, they buy the club, they spend the money, they can do what they want with the club. And if it can lead to these bizarre kind of signings and projects that nine times out of ten probably won't come off. Yeah, so it's a weird one. Uh, Darren Moore, he said he wants to play football to make the fans proud. This is good to hear, and I think it's important for fans as well because me and you discussed off air before, Matt, that some of the reaction to to maybe a performance which isn't quite up there in in terms of what Albion have put on this season, some of the reaction to it on social media has been a little bit strong, I think, from fans, considering that Darren Moore really has turned his club around. He has, um, and you know, I don't think you can really use social media as a barometer. I think you have to use the stadium as a barometer, yeah, um, which is what I'll always do. And and as we touched on earlier, you know, that it hasn't hasn't always been. Um, I mean, it was brilliant on Saturday, but it hasn't always been um, the uh, what what would be the right, the right way of describing it. it. Hasn't always been fully behind the project, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Particularly recently. Now that, that's down to results. They've only got two wins in eleven at home. Um, there's been a lot of mistakes at home, individual errors. Um, there's been a lot of tentative play. You know, I think at times the, the fans aren't convinced that the players are convinced in the way that they're playing. Um, but do you know? Do I think some of the criticism is is um, is over the top? Yes, um, but I think you do have to uh, you do have to pose questions about about it, particularly now. It's sort of going on uh, why things aren't changing at home. I think. Yeah. I think I mean, and I asked Darren that question actually after the game. You know, do do is it now time for a change and an approach and and and, and system and formation at home? And he said P- potentially, but the, the the thing is that that takes time on the training pitch. You have to it takes a bit of time to 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 to, to change the formation, um, to change your approach. You have to work on it, and we've had midweek games the last five six weeks, and I think that is actually a fair. A fair defence in a way because if he had gone back to a three at the back system and it hadn't worked and they weren't yeah. ready for it actually I think the Hawthorns would have been um, well the, the grumbles would have been even louder so um, look, I think you can question where what game by game what's going on and, and, and critique it but obviously I think in the cold light of day obviously Saturday was really disappointed but in the cold light of day now, as we sit here two days later, they are still four points off the top two. Yeah. And if you'd given Albion that that at sort of the start of the season at this stage, you probably would take it because you know they're fourth in the league. I think they, they I I think they probably will get top six. And I I said from the start that top six was the aim, or that would be the aim for Darren Moore. Obviously, they they have got a strong squad that shouldn't be ignored. Um, but they're not out of the race for the top two, you know. Um, there's four, four, just four points. I mean, that can change in, in a matter of weeks, you know, in, in a week or two. So, especially the way this league is. Yeah, and I, I, at the moment, are they favourites? No, of course not. I, I think the uh, the three teams above them are probably looking more likely, but they're not out of it yet. Um, and there's a lot of points to get. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. 
um, whether whether they can do it. But um, I th- yeah, I, I do think he does deserve some credit for for turning the ship around. Yeah, and um, the last one in terms of injuries, we saw Ahmed Agassi go off, uh, but Jacob Murphy wasn't in the squad either. What do you think the likelihood of them coming back for Leeds is? I'd be surprised if Agassi was back because it was an ankle injury and um, it was a weird one because it didn't really happen on the ball from what I saw. He just kind of like limped over to the to the, to the dugout. I thought didn't he get it in that in in that collision I, collision that I didn't really uh, see because uh, I saw he was he was walking kind of gingerly and then all of a sudden he's <coughs> kind of signalled over to the bench and he's looked right. over and he's gone over. And, I was I was more worried at first that well, it was going to be a really serious. Well, one. if it's his ankle, I mean, you know, obviously, hopefully, touch wood, it's not serious ligament damage. Um, I don't think it would be. I mean, but he did look in some discomfort. Um, if he just rolled it, I mean, even if he's even if he's just rolled it, I don't see how he plays on Friday. Yeah, I don't. It's a quick turnaround. I don't think he's going to play on Friday, but. Um, you know, stranger things have happened, but I, I, I'd imagine he'd be out for that game at least. Be a loss as well. He's been he's been really good. He will be. He's been very good recently. Um, last 10, 10 or twelve games, he's been brilliant. Although I thought Adarabio did quite well off the bench on Saturday. Yeah. I thought he looked um, quite assured and composed. Particularly, it was two v two at times at the back there because they were leaving both their strikers up, and Albion was searching for the equaliser. And I thought he looked quite good. Um, be a big game for him on Friday if he if he plays. And Murphy. Apparently that was just um, the volume of games, so he was just uh, he picked up a, a little a little strain. Um, I was surprised not to see him. If it's just fatigue, I was surprised not to see him on the bench. But um, you know, well, uh, I, I, th- I think he'll probably be back for Leeds. But that that's that was just that's just a hunch. I haven't actually spoken to him about that. But. That's it. Yeah, we'll have to wait until later on this week to find out. Uh, questions, 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 questions. Matt, we've had plenty come in. Um, first one, James eighty ID. Has there been any explanation as to why our best striker is on the wing when he clearly isn't a very good winger, but our best finisher? Uh, we kind of touched on that already. Um, it is a weird one, but it's one which it's because of the formation. I mean, it's the way that it's it's, it's the way that they set up against Leeds and it worked and it's provided the blueprint ever since. Um, now, I would argue that it's working away from home but it's not working at home and they need to change it at home and I'd like to see Gale um, on the inside. I think the way that they see it working is that Rodriguez drops in as that, as that false nine into the number 10 position and then Gale comes across. Um, you know, He is in the box when the, the, when the ball comes down the other flank when the ball comes down his flank um, and he's expected to be um, crossing the ball, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the best use of his abilities. But um, I suppose the other way that they look at it is maybe, well, we, we shuttle it out to Holgate so much and Holgate overlaps and Gale can actually make a, a little run into the box uh, when Holgate's got the ball. Um, he's the one that de- delivers because Holgate is the one that delivers most of the balls from that hand, that right hand side mm. and he's the one that goes in but I agree I don't think it's the best use of his abilities yeah Sophia outlines uh, looking at issues with dressing rooms in other clubs did Darren Moore purposely conduct a de-clicking exercise in the summer or was the departure of several pl- senior players entirely coincidental oh, it was coincidental it's <laughs> <laughs> a quick, quick answer there uh Dan Nash, uh, is it time to face the unpopular truth that the biggest games we can't play Gale and Rodriguez together 
in any formation because they both lack physicality or reliance service from others. I think I think it's harsh on Rodriguez in terms of physicality. Um, I think he I don't think he's weak, um, and strikers to a certain extent all rely on service from others. You know. Yeah, there's not many players who create it for something from nothing. If you're going to be up there in the way that they play and they leave the men up, then then you know they all rely on on that to a certain extent. They rely on the midfielders to pass in the ball. Um, but I I do. You know, you, there's no escaping the fact that Albion looked maybe slightly more balanced with when Gale was 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 out of the team because of his ban. You know, they yeah. they had wingers in wide areas rather than Gale. Um, and if you're going to try and you know earlier in the season they found a way of getting Rodriguez and Gale into the team for three four one two, but it did um, limit them at the back or well it put them it made, <laughs> well the best, the best <laughs> we should probably just not talk about that because it was. At a time in the season when uh, it seemed like Alvin would concede from anything, but uh, yeah, I, I I take his point. You know, I, I think there there might be a situation where you have to make a tough decision. Um, it's like Gerard Lampard all over again. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't yeah. think I think Rodriguez and Gale can work together as a front two. But as I said earlier, I don't know the system that you play with them as a front two. Yeah, have to agree with you there. Who would you pick out of the two of them if you if you had, you can only play one? I think I'd take Gale, you know. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I'd, uh, can Gale lead the line on his own? I don't know. Though. I just feel I mean, like there's he's, no he's out more likely to pop up. There's no out- I mean, the longer the season goes on, the more I think they need a target man. Oh, they've got Robson Carnu. And sometimes they look, they look like a more balanced team with Robson Carnu in the pit, even though he doesn't provide anywhere near the same goal threat as Gale. Sometimes they look more balanced with him in that channel with his back to goal, winning free kicks, chesting the ball down. Yeah. You know, it's all very well saying, oh, we want to sweep up through the pitch playing lovely, gorgeous attacking football like we did in the first third of the season when we had Barnes, Phillips, Gale Rodriguez all flooding forward at pace and, you know, really dominating and hurting teams. But let's be honest, that's not happened for a while. Yeah. Um... Since Barnes left and Phillips was injured, now obviously Phillips back, Phillips back gives you something more, and I'd like to see him in a midfield three rather than a front three. I, don't, I think he's wasted with his back to go. He needs to be running at defenders from deep. Um, but having in in the last few weeks, having Robson Robson Carnu has been crucial because he gives you an out ball, and yeah. I don't you know I don't think Gale and to a lesser extent even Rodriguez really do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe it's a, a race between the top four for automatic promotion or do you see someone else making a run and pushing themselves in, asks Sam Box? I think it's probably between those top four. I mean, obviously, if Millsborough win their game in hand, I think they're on level points. Yeah. But... Um, or well, Bristol City, they're flying. Well, they're flying. They've lost the last two. <clears throat> and, and Bristol and Lee Johnson's teams are notoriously patchy. They, they win five, lose six, win four, lose two. So... I think they'll probably fall away. I mean, they might they might finish in the playoffs, yeah. But um, no, I think it's between those top four, um, and that might even be at the moment being quite generous to Albion. You reckon, Rich? Yeah, I think it's it's between the top four. Um, mid- the one that I think could potentially break in there is Middlesbrough, uh, just with the squad they have, and they I know they finished last season very strong, um, but I think the difference is probably too much to make up. 
Um, but Albion is still, with, you know, still great shout. There's a lot of games to be played. Um, I'm not sure if they have to play each other at all. Some of those top leads, Norwich and so on. So it's uh, it'll be an interesting end to the season. Well, I think Norwich have got quite a good run in. Yeah. Um, but so have Albion. They've got quite a. If you, I mean, they've got to play Bristol City, Blues, and Derby. Yeah, I, I was going to run through these at a later point. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I think Sheffield United and Leeds, particularly, I think they have to play each other. They've got a couple of other tough games. So look, it's a long way to go. Loads of points to to play for and. But Saturday was a blow. There's no, there's no getting around it because everybody else won and mm. Albion lost. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Stephen Burnett asks, "Hi both. Don't want to get on any Albion fans' backs as all, we all pay to watch them. People are completely entitled to their own opinions. But booing at home at full time on Saturday seemed a bit too much. We just beaten Villa and Stoke away as well as a last minute winner versus QPR. Yeah, and I think if those wins had been spread out, maybe a bit more at home and a bit more away." we wouldn't be seeing this. Mm. But it's the fact that the home form is so bad and they've seen so many... It's not It's not that it's that bad. It's that they've seen so many games that should have been won that weren't won. Norwich, they should have won that. Brentford, should have won that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Nottingham Forest, probably should have won that. Yeah. Um, you know, there are games... That's what's infuriating fans. And I don't think, and you know, the supporters aren't stupid. They they know that this is the best chance of getting back up, and they're concerned that it's being blown. Um, so yeah, I mean, but the thing is, these are professional footballers, and they do have to, you know, they have to perform under pressure. So, um, do I think booing helps? No, but particularly when you've won ten points out of twelve, and I understand this point. But like I said earlier, it's up to the team to convince and deliver and I thought the fans did their job on Saturday yeah I agree with you there uh, Baggy's Tom asks when will we get a new owner that will spend money I mean I feel like I've had this question so many times I don't think it's one that's going to be solved anytime soon um, well maybe if they don't win promotion in the next couple of years lie sells up cuts his losses because he's only interested in the Premier League he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't want to put his own money into it and unfortunately in the Championship the owners foot the bill so then when the parachute payments run out, maybe he'll leave. Um, there's your answer. Yeah. Uh, Mike Campbell asks, what makes you feel nervous? An opposition corner or an Albion goal kick? He says, a goal kick every time for me. I think he's more worried about the team playing out from the back. There's a couple of people still worried about that. I think it's got better. I think they've got better at it. I think they look more composed at it. Um, they're still making mistakes in certain games. Um... And I know what he means because Hagazi and Dawson lose very rarely lose a header. I mean, I can't think of a of a corner of an opposition corner that's that's been that's been scored traditionally. I can think of a short corner that Reading scores, and I can think of um, the black. But oh, what's his name? Charlie Mulgrew scored straight from a corner. He's done it three times uh, this season. Yeah, he's done. Th- I know it's amazing. Well, they when we were at Blackburn, they apparently they do they do practice that, and they do actually. Um, train for it and, and do do it on the, the training ground where they China Mogul essentially shoots and they try and get as much anything they can on it to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to get it in so no wonder he scored three times from a corner they, this is something they, that they do um, but um, I can't think of like a traditional corner in header goal that they've conceded so maybe he's right but for me the, the play out from the back the, the I'm all for it Um because I think if you play it correctly and you get through the press, you've got a great chance. But 
on Saturday, the two things that infuriated me was that when they played through, when they got through the press and they got through Sharp and McGoldrick, instead of going for the jugular and going right now, we've got through that. Let's now go forward. They just recycled possession yeah. and gave it back to the defenders, and then allowed Sheffield United to get back into their shape, and then it became even harder. So you're taking the risk, and you're not getting the reward. The result, yeah. What's the point? Yeah. And also, at the very end, they're still doing it, even though you've got to score a goal. And it wasn't until Johnston kicked it long that Montero had that chance at the very end. But if they'd done that for five minutes beforehand, they would have had two or three chances. Yeah. And with Rodriguez and Gale up there, you never know what's going to happen. So I... Look, I'm all for it in principle, but they they took it too far on Saturday. Just, you know, last five, ten minutes, get the ball into the box, cause some havoc. Yeah, you think that's a go-to, wouldn't you? You know, when it's when the time's ticking down, you've got, you've got. I know, I understand. You know, you see clips of the QPR goal in the last minute, and yeah. then, you know, people are saying, "Oh, look at how well Albion are doing. They've worked the ball around really well. There's no panic stations." But but, Q, but QPR were down to ten men at that stage through injury, yeah, and they were sitting on the back. They were sitting back on their um, in their box. That that was invited that situation. Albion were able to get right up to their box without anyone coming near them. Yeah. Whereas on Saturday against Sheffield United, they still had a, they were still playing three five two. They were still playing the same way they had all game. McGoldrick and Medine, it was then were still pressing, and they were fanning about with it in their own half and not getting it forward. Needs must. You know, where's the plan B? That was that was my concern. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that one, Rich? I mean, yeah. playing out from the back last minute. I mean, I had, I like I admire it. I think obviously Darren Moore wants his team to play with a clear identity, no matter what the situation, what the scenario, and that's something to be admired. Like Albion do have a clear identity in the way they play, but if you're one nil down, crucial game, minutes remaining, then you know probably then's the time to start. You know, going a bit more direct. Um, but, you know, the way they play throughout the game through, you know, going short from the goal kicks and building from the back, it does create, um, if they beat the press, it does create chances. It does open teams up. But like you were saying, you then need the midfield players to sort of bomb on. It was On Saturday, it was all a bit static. Albion weren't playing between the lines at all. It was Sheffield United who were running off the ball, getting in between the lines. Because Albion's formation was quite rigid, the players were quite static. And it was only really Mason Holgate who was finding any space to sort of open Sheffield United up. Mm. Spot on. Yeah, mm. Tom Slater as well. This is the last one we'll get from the questions. Would you take a place in the player final if you were offered it right now? And would your answer change based on who it was against? Yes and yes. I'll take any any team apart from Hillsborough. <laughs> you wouldn't want to face Tony Pierce oh, in the final. I mean, this, Do you imagine? This, this season is just, I think it is just geared up in fact, I think maybe the last 18 months are just geared up for um, Tony Pulis to, to to beat Albion at Wembley in the playoff final. I don't think I could deal with it, Matt. I think it's going to happen, so you better get used to it. Oh, I've, already, I've already dealt with playoff defeat once. I don't want to deal with it again. Oh, yeah. Was that again? <laughs> yeah, that, wasn't, that was fun for you, wasn't it? Oh, look! I, I wanted Villa to win that game. <laughs> yeah, we all want we all want our Midlands teams to win, sort of. Kind of, yeah. Apart from, uh, I'll tell you what. I was. I mean, I mentioned in the last podcast. I was glad I wasn't at West Brom Villa. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I wasn't there. That wouldn't have been fun at all. All right. Um, competition time. Uh, um, for those who don't know, the standard competition rules apply. We'll pick three games from uh, this weekend's action. We'll pick an anytime goal scorer from those games. If all three of them come in, 
One lucky follower who retweets and follows the podcast will win an Albion shirt with a name and number of their choice on. Uh, three games this weekend are, of course, Leeds versus West Brom on Friday, Villa Derby, Hull Blues. Matt, do you want to give me a goal scorer from Leeds versus West Brom any time? Any time goal scorer, Leeds, West Brom. Okay. Um, um, I think Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale, good choice. That's who I would have gone for. Uh, Hull versus Blues. Rich, do you want to give me one? Um, I will go with Djukovic. Djukovic. I, th- and, I thought you were going to right. And I will go for 52. Oh, I'm not giving you a time. I Just any time. Oh, any time. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> be specific. Two, 50, if Djukovic <laughs> scores on the 52nd minute, we'll, we'll be having words, mate. You'll be putting my lottery numbers on. Um, and Villa Derby. Villa Derby. Should we go Tammy Abraham? Or, or are Villa going to score? I don't know if Villa are going to score, are they? No, I'm joking. Oh. Go on, yeah, if you want to... Get Tammy, to come on, Tammy. If you're sure, they're struggling at the moment in they, front of goal. They beat Derby 3-0 last time they played them. Admittedly, Jack Grealish was playing and they were they were, they were actually doing well at that point. But yeah. I just I can't pick against... <laughs> I can't do it. Anyway, um, predicting the final third, that's what the, um, the uh, little segment I've got now is. So, Albion are on 60 points right now. Is that right? I think so. I think so. Think so. Think so. Pretty sure. 90%. Yeah, 60 points. I've yeah. done my research. 12 games left. Yeah. We've got them 12 games here. I'm going to get you to give me a result. Okay. For each game. And we'll see how And much. we'll see how many points Albion have at the end of it. So, of course, the first game leads away. Uh, Matt's. Oh, I can't call this. I think Albion should win because Leeds have got the, uh, the extra game in midweek. And they don't have a big squad and they've got some injuries. And now we're in a good away from home. They should win. It doesn't mean they will, but they should. I'm going to go for uh, an Albion win. All right, so three points. I'm going for three points. Rich? I think it's going to be a draw. One point. Pessimist over no, it. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. I think that's fair enough. I can understand why you'd go for that. Right, I've got a feeling we're all going to say the same thing for this next one. Ipswich at home. That has to be a win. It's got to be a home banker, has right? Has to be. Absolutely. Three, three, three. Okay, Swansea at home. I've got another home win. Three wins on the bounce for Albion. Is that a midweek game? I couldn't tell you what day it's on. I think it's a midweek game. I might go for a draw. Draw. I'm going to go for a Baggies win. Baggies yeah. win. Uh, Brentford away. This is a tough game. That's I think I think you take a point. Oh yeah, massively. Brentford are, are very good at home. Didn't they win? Didn't they score five the other day? Oh yeah. They, they score goals. I tell you that. And Griffin Park is not a fun place to go. Um, I don't know why they're moving. To be honest, we'll give no. that. Yeah. Oh, they want to. They, I mean, it's very old ground, isn't it? Um, I'll go for a point. A point. I think a baggies win. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. From Pesca they're all on, they're unbeaten at the moment. They, they are unbeaten. <laughs> Blues at home. Oh, I, that's tough. I'm taking another point. I mean, I think mean, Che Adams is, is going to. He's in too good form. I think. I think you take a point. Remain unbeaten. It's a derby game as well. I've got no idea. I mean, the Blues battered Albion in the in the in the, the, the other game. Um, funnily enough, I think actually teams that rely on their strikers come up short a little bit against Albion. I, mean, I know Sheffield United won, um, but Sharp and McGoldrick didn't barely got a sniff, did they? I mean, yeah, I, think, no, no. I think Albion's defend central centre backs are actually doing quite a good job. So I'll give that I'll give that to Albion. Three points. 
Derbies are just so difficult to call, aren't they? Because sort of form goes out the window. I want to say a draw with that one. Not draw. many goals in it. So draw. at some stage we're going to have to say Albion lose one of these <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at all the games now and I'm thinking, when am I going to pick one? I know maybe Millwall away. No, no. I've got. I know which one I'm going to pick. That's right. I'm going Millwall away. You lose. Is that the Mill? Is that the next game? Yeah, Millwall away. I'm gonna, I think they'll win that. You think they'll win? Yeah, I think they're better. Yeah. This is showing though that their run coming up is you know it's, it's, a, it's a nice run, run isn't it it's like not... we've you know we've heard the fans sort of getting a little bit critical but you're absolutely right when you say that their fixtures have been they've just been hard fixtures this run coming up looks really nice for them um Millwall away I'll say they get a point at Millwall get a point Bristol City away that one I think they'll lose lose that one I think they'll get a point yeah point a point Preston at home I think they win win Although Preston are flying. They are. I've got them on a seven-match unbeaten yeah. stream. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be some sensational run of form. Um, I think they're going to lose that one. I just think I can't. they can't keep winning. And yeah, it's fair be, enough. There'll be a random yeah, defeat yeah. in there. It's fair enough. Hull at home. Win. Win. I'm going for a win. Yeah, win. Wins all round. Reading away, I'm going for another win. Win. Win, win. Draw. Draw. Ooh. I like the way that we've we've be scrapping. I, like, I like the way that we've like slipped back into the fact that they're going to do yeah, well at yeah. home and rubbish away, even though they're it's the opposite. Rotherham at home, win. I think they win that. Win, yeah. win, wins all round, and then Derby away. I tell you what, last day of Final the season, game. draw, draw. I'm going for a draw. I think they'll win. I think Derby have got a history of bottling it towards the end of the season. You're right, they do. Yeah. So they you top that up whilst I whilst I fill. Yeah, you give some fill. Um, we've all only given them one defeat. Mm. Now, I think I did the Bristol City game. You did the Preston game. Luke did... I don't know what, what game Luke did. Millwall away. Millwall. Mm. So I suppose there are games there that are pretty difficult. Um, and like you say, there'll be teams that are scrapping for their lives, won't they? You know... You, even, yeah. even Rotherham at, at home, they'll come and sit deep yeah. and make it hard to break them down. And, and my concern is that we haven't seen Albion really break teams down at home. And although on paper they look like quite inviting fixtures, it, they could pose, yeah. pose a problem. Yeah, but that's the case. Any team, whenever they're towards the top end of the championship, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get teams lower on in the division who are going to pay you a lot of respect. Mm. They're going to sit off you, sit deep, and that is one of the main challenges of being a top championship side: knowing how to break teams down at home who who sit deep. You do, you do need, like I said, you need that number ten, that sort of David Silver-esque player who's going to um, unlock defenses, thread that ball that's going to that's going to lead to a goal. Yeah, do you want to know who's racked up the highest amount of points? Go on then. The Matt Wilson Albion. <laughs> We're going to end on 87 points. You predicted 27 points from the games, man. Well, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It is. Okay. Oh. 85 points I've got, and Rich has gone for 83. Okay. 87 would probably get you automatic. I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't know if it would. I don't. I think it. I think. What do you think? So at, think the, at the moment, Norwich is top of the table, no, 66. If you Sheffield look at, United, 64. If you look at the last few years, I don't think 87... I think you need to get 90, basically. You need to get 90. I mean, um, if you well, you don't need to type that in. Just type in... Wolves finished on 90 last season, I think. It's 99, wasn't was it? Was it 99? Oh, OK. Oh. If you go to... The, the, if you go to last season's table... Just do last season's table. Yeah, let's do last season. I think... 
I mean, Albion won won this division once with 81 points. There you go. So the two teams that got promoted last season were on 99 and 90 points. Oh, so 80, 87 might come up. Fulham finished in the playoffs with 88 and Aston Villa finished with 83 in the playoffs. Go to the one before. And then 16, 17... So the two teams that went up finished on 94 and you 93. You want a top 90, don't you? And Reading were third with 85. So I think you have to you have to hit 90 to get up automatically. Um, and we've got them all finishing in, in the 80s. So it's looking like playoffs. They need to go some, don't they, to get that automatic. They need, to, they need to go on a run of winning games consistently, you know, mm, five, six yeah. wins in a row. They need to sort out the home form. That's that's obviously crucial because you think, are they going to keep up that? The away form is so good, there's no guarantee that they're going to keep up that level of it. So, exactly. So the home form's got to improve. And they've got some tough away games. Leeds, Bristol City, even, even Millwall, you'd say, is tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, Reading, you'd think they'd win. Derby's a tough one. Tar- Last Derby, game of the season. Yeah, those are some mm. tough away games. So... Brentford as well. In fact, all of, pretty much all, all of their away games are tricky, barring maybe oh, I say tricky, barring Reading. But Reading could still, you know, they're fighting for for, for survival, yeah. aren't they? So they'll be they'll be scrapping. So yeah, their away games are tough. I mean, if they can keep up their away form and fix their home form against easy opposition, then they've got a chance. But uh, like like you say, there's no guarantees. Yeah, certainly not. Right, let's get on to the Leeds game. Um, not till Friday, but we'll preview it anyway. Of course, um, doesn't get a whole lot easier, does it? You play Sheffield United and Leeds. No, but we you've got to hope that the Tuesday night game is, is just going to be, you know, draining for them. I, I think the the way that, the, you know, if Albion had beaten QPR 2-0, it might not have been so emotionally draining as it was. But the fact that they got a last-minute winner, all the emotions riding into that, you know, you're, you're bound to have a drop-off. Yeah. Uh, against Particularly against a team like Sheffield United who start brightly. So you've got to hope that Leeds, who have got QPR, I think, tomorrow... Yeah, QPR um, tomorrow. Away from home, you've got to hope that QPR put up a fight. They're, I mean, they've lost, I think, seven in a row or something. They're dreadful. But um, in the league, anyway, you've got to hope they put up a fight and, and, and make it a battle at least. Um, although I expect Leeds to probably come through that. You know, they've got Kimar Roof out, so they'll be playing Patrick Bamford or Tyler Roberts up front. I think their danger man is um, Pablo Hernandez. Yeah. Everything seems to go through him. Very good player. Um, does he play left or right? I'm trying. I to think f- he's a left. I think he's left sided. So him v Holgate. He could, can kind of float around though. Him v Holgate could be the battle uh, of the day. Um, Friday night under the lights. It's going to be a cracker. Um, and Albion, of course, Leeds want to get revenge for that 4 1 where Albion. That was Albion's best game of the season. They absolutely outplayed them. Um, and hit them on the counter-attack and I would suggest that's the way they've got to do it again you know let Leeds come on to them because yeah. they Bielsa is um, dogmatic he'll, he'll play one way he will try and play on the front foot I think Albi need to put um, if, if hopefully Murphy and Phillips are fit and you can play and you've got some pace in the team and you can threaten on the counter um, I think that would be the way forward for Albion because um, they look pretty good defensively um, away from home and hopefully they can do the same again. Yeah, I mean, you can either look at one or two ways, can't you? Because you could say, oh, it's a daunting fixture, or you could say it's a great opportunity for Albion to make up ground. Um, and I tell you what, Leeds... No such thing as problems, just challenges, or whatever that stupid <laughs> nonsense phrase is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Put it perfectly, Matt. Put it perfectly. Um, how do you expect more to line up, and what's your predicted level? If, if you have everyone fit, 
What's your predicted eleven? Uh, well, I don't think everyone will be fit. I don't think Hagazi will be fit. Robson Carney will probably be a doubt as well. So, um, but with that in mind, I would go Johnston, Gibbs, Dawson, Adra by Holgate, Barry. I think you play Livermore because it's away from home. You need someone to snap into the tackle. Uh, I don't know who you play alongside him. Maybe Harper again. Um, actually, I'd probably play Phillips. Yeah. I'd probably play Phillips in that midfield three. Yeah. And then up front, I'd go. So I think they'll stick with 4 3 3 away because it is working away. And up front, I'd go Gail Rodriguez, Murphy. But um, that means Gail's on the wing again, doesn't it? it? Certainly does. Should be a good one, though. I'll tell you that. Give me a match prediction. Well, earlier I said win, but now I'm going to say draw. So. <laughs> I I, so that, immediately I'll be in the dance 80, 80, 85 points 85, 85 points that's, yeah, that's playoffs isn't it I, I, d- I don't know I can't call it it's difficult it could go either way I, but, predict, I predicted a win I'm going to stick with it but I think I hope that midweek game might, might scupper leads yeah and I think the Ellen Road crowd's a big factor if Albion could sort of negotiate those first 20 minutes the crowd at Ellen Road soon, uh, soon quieting down and then, you know, it suits Albion. We're saying what a hard fixture it is, but it completely suits the way they play. Leeds will leave a lot of space in behind because the Ellen Road crowd will want Leeds to obviously push forward. They're not going to allow them to sit back and that will leave the spaces for the likes of Murphy, Phillips, Gale to uh, to expose. Yeah, so Matt's gone for a draw. I've gone for a win. What are you going for? Well, I, I did predict a draw and I'm going to stick with that. Before you were going to do this Cause, switch Because <laughs> Albion can't keep winning away from home. Well, they can, but... You know, that'd be some some ask. So I'll stick with my draw. Certainly would be. Right, that just about does it for us, unless anyone's got anything else to add. Matt? Uh, no, don't think so. No. Rich, how was your, how was your debut? I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, good. I'll be interested to see how they go on at Leeds now. Yeah, won't be there though, will you? No, I'll be watching on TV. <laughs> Myself and Matt there covering that one, so make sure you uh, stick with us for all the coverage. But from us here, fingers crossed to the Albion, and we will catch you in a week's time. <laughs>